Well, hello and welcome to episode number 414 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos, and in this week's show, we take a look at the Platinum Jubilee aircraft. One airline buys some new stock, and it's chaos in the UK's airports again. In the military, Japan partners with BAE Systems to over Lockheed Martin, and the US Air Force's next generation fighter takes a step in the next direction, as seen in Top Gun Maverick. And a Marine pilot receives the distinguished flying cross for his expert landing of an injured c-130 in a farmer's field so joining me this week across the village as always in the ptuk studios which i'm hoping matt are a bit cooler this week uh no i think is the short answer to that (laughs) oh okay I mean, if you look at my little, my, I've got a, like a little weather station, a bit like what you've got uh, at home. Uh, it regs 31 degrees in my garden at the moment. I think, I think, I think there might be some sun on it. I'm not sure. <laughs> I was going to say 31. It's not 31 degrees. It's, I mean, it's warm, but it's not 31 degrees. That, that's I was going to say, do you want this? Yeah. But it's empty. Um, yeah, oh, thanks. <laughs> always, always a help, never a chore. Uh, <laughs> so you, you have had, you've had a very busy last 24 hours, haven't you, Matt? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. It's been really good, really, really, really good. Um, been doing lots of radio bits and pieces uh, this week, uh, and uh, well, as as have we both. But uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Excellent, excellent. Good to uh, good to have you on board as always this way, uh, this week, Matt. So, uh, who we got on the show? We've got uh, just briefly before we introduce our super sub guest uh, host for this week. Uh, we have got uh, Mr. Bounds here. He's joining us live. Not in the UK, not in the not in the sprawling Buckinghamshire countryside this week. Somewhere completely different. Mr. Bounds, where are you? Uh, it's the Crown Plaza Brussels Airport. Uh, a nice hotel, but a uh, little bit of attitude from the restaurant staff, which I need to uh, deal with, I think, uh, later on. But Have they uh, run out of caviar no, I again, probably... Yeah, I know. It's disgusting. <laughs> Awful. Um, but, yeah, quite a week, actually. Uh, started off in Edinburgh on Monday. Flew back to Heathrow on Tuesday and then flew out to Brussels, uh, Brussels Airport on uh, Tuesday afternoon. And I've been uh, slightly further down the country ever since. And I'm flying back tomorrow morning. Uh, I was trying to get back tonight, but a couple of cancelled flights some weeks ago, unfortunately. Um, so uh, we're on an A321neo uh, tomorrow, which is quite a large aircraft for such a short sector. So I suggest <laughs> they've probably combined a couple of flights to jam us all on there. Uh, right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, as long as you've got seat one A, though, right? I mean, I have absolutely. Yay! Yeah. So, uh, but uh, no, it's been a been a hectic week. A, a big conference I was involved with uh, this week, and um, yeah, quite uh, quite pleased to be going home. I must, I must say. Wow! So you've been you've been doing lots of flying in there. I take it it's uh, obviously it's all been BA, but uh, I'm guessing it's it's all all been on the three twenties. Uh, 320 coming out, uh, 319 to Brussels, and then 321 Neo tomorrow. Edinburgh was not a great experience, although it didn't affect me because I was already there, but the check-in going into Edinburgh uh, was not at all funny. And for those who know Edinburgh Airport, it was actually queuing all the way outside and round the block. Um, That was pretty horrific. Um, But... um, once you got through security, it was all right, but it was, it's just the time it's taking people to get through, unfortunately. Um, but, um, of course, this is before the real summer rush as well, so we can only hope that things improve a little 
little bit before then, but I think we might be in for this for a few months more yet. Um, Brussels was okay the other day because I came in quite late on in the afternoon, but um, we'll have to see how we get on tomorrow morning. So, uh, but yeah, wow. so I'll just pop in and say hello because uh, I'm going to bed very shortly myself because I've got a very early start in the morning. Oh no! Where, so, where are you off to? Where are you off to tomorrow? Uh, back home. Ah, oh, hooray! Which will be. <laughs> I couldn't get home tonight, so uh, yes, I should be going home for the weekend and back up to Edinburgh on Wednesday. But, oh my um, goodness! Yeah, well, he does, a nice couple stop. of days off. Does yeah. a stop? Does he? Honestly, yeah. Neville. Neville be he'll be platinum jubilee status <laughs> soon with the A. <laughs> Literally. Nice. Did he do a platy jubes card? (laughs) (laughs) And joining us this evening, we have got uh, a super sub, as we've uh, we've only got uh, Nev for a very short time and Armando couldn't be with us. We've got a super sub. He's back with us again. We couldn't let him or couldn't let him escape us any longer. So we thought we'd have him back. Welcome back onto the show. It's, of course, uh, A320 and, uh, well, Airbus captain. It's Andy. Hello, and as always, you never pay the invoice when I send it over. <laughs> I'm glad to be back. It's a good reason for that. Nice to be on the show. <laughs> and unlike Nev, I've done very little flying the past week. Somehow I managed to get half term off. Wow. Uh, which is, it's been nice spending time at home with the family, but opposite for me, tomorrow morning it's back to work at 6 a.m. Um, mainly flying into Italy this week. Ooh. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's already it's always chaos in Italy as it is anyway, so I can't wait to see how chaotic it is at the moment with everything that's going on. <laughs> well, I bet you can't wait to get back to work after seeing the events of this week in the airports, eh? Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting. I'm sure there's plenty in the news this week anyway that we'll be talking about. Yes, it certainly mm. is. Mm. But it's lovely to be back on, and thanks for, thanks for calling us up. I love being <laughs> the super sub. Absolutely. Oh, good. It's good to have you back on, Andy. So we better say a quick... Uh, oh, we've actually got a, we've got a video, haven't we, Matt, actually, from, uh, from Armando. Oh, have we? Yeah. Have we? <laughs> the, the post-flight debrief from Play. Oh, okay. Um, talk, talk amongst yourselves for a minute, then. <laughs> Oh, as professional as always, I love this show. <laughs> if, not, we can, if not, we can always do the Patreon, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do the Patreon while I work out what... Okay, what we'll, do the, <laughs> we'll do the Patreon. So it is, it is the top of the month, as it is... Well, it is the 3rd of June today. The first or 3rd of June. It's Honestly, this year is flying by. It'll soon be time for me and Nev to head off to uh, the Jersey Air Show in September at this rate. So we're going to say a big thanks to everyone who has donated this month through Patreon and PayPal. And uh, we'll start at the top of the list here. We'll go with Alex Robinson. Thank you to you. Dirk S., Sasha Beer, Stephen Ivey, Nicholas Codling, Louis Perez, uh, Alan White, Stephen Howland, Tanya Wyman, uh, Megan Carrion, Jacob Darlington-Brown, Nicholas Hewitt, Masha, uh, Mr. Owen. He's uh, also a good donor. Well, thank you, Owen. Uh, Reuben Wells, Neil Lamborn, Graham Haley, Jonathan Warner, uh, Eric Graves, Jordan Rose, Andrew Wilson, uh, Captain Jeff, Adam Spink, Liz Piper, uh, Jeff Ward, Jenny in Rome, Evan Shu, uh, Philip Labe, uh, Schultbacher, Ray Williams, and Stephanie Plummer. Thanks to all you for donating through the Patreon means. And our PayPal, our awesome PayPal donators uh, for this month are Richard Adams, Craig Urosco, 
uh, Tony Stubbings and Mazus Karim. Thank you very, very much to everyone who helped support the show. It honestly, guys, it does really, really help support the show in a massive, massive way uh, with all the web support, hosting, and all the stuff and all the tech stuff that Matt screams out at me every now and again and says, <laughs> so, "I need a new." This, this is broken. We need to change this. This Absolutely. is worn yeah. out. We need Indeed. a new one. Well, the good news is, is the the video you mentioned a moment ago that's now ready. <laughs> okay, brilliant. But uh, no, if you want to, uh, if you want to become a patron of the show uh, or a PayPal donor of the show, all the links are on our website and details on that at the end of the show. So, Matt, you've got uh, a video to play. Indeed, yes. Hey, everybody. Here I am in Reno, Nevada. It is once again time for Pylon Racing Seminar. And that is the precursor to the National Championship Air Races in September. So I'll be working here all week, as I do every year. And of course, as I do every year, I'm going to try to get some really good content. I can't wait to talk to some of the new pilots, some of the pilots that have been here before, um, some of the ground support personnel, because everybody's aviation journey here that leads them to Reno is such an amazing journey. And each one of them has such a great story to tell. So look for that in the next coming weeks. Uh, I know we did a little bit of a wrap-up already from my trip over to England. At this point, I wanted to do to give a special thanks to Matt, because Matt drove all the way from Bungie to Stansted twice when, I, when he picked me up when I arrived in, in the UK, and also picked me up from Cambridge to take me to Stansted the morning of as I tried to figure out COVID requirements trying to come back into the States. But uh, thanks, Matt. It's always great to see you. It's always great to see anybody from the podcast team because we don't get to see each other very often, at least not in person. Um, another little bit of a debrief from Play Airlines. What a fantastic product. The flight over there was, you know, the first leg was so-so. The second leg was great. Uh, both legs back from uh, Stansted to Reykjavik, Reykjavik to Baltimore. Nothing short of, of just a, a great product. Special shout-out to the flight crew. Uh, the cabin crew in the back was, was great to talk to. They had nothing but good things to say about their airline, um, and I know they, you know, they they both came. Both of the uh, cabin crew that I was talking to came from Wow. Um, they were pre- previous Wowers, as they call them, and uh, came over to play. And they had just great things to say about management, about the training program, about the equipment, about their schedules, and how um, the cabin crew is actually listened to by management uh, as far as a improvement process. So I had a really, really good time talking to both of those um, young individuals, and, and they seemed to enjoy what they were doing. And play, well done, because it was the end of May. Iceland couldn't have been any more beautiful and absolutely convinced me. As soon as I got on the ground in Reykjavik for the connection, uh, I called Megan and I said, I think we have to come to Iceland. It's such a beautiful place, such beautiful people, and they... Um, seems so friendly and so open to showing off what they have up there in 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 their country, and I fell for it. And I, I told Megan that in 2023 we're taking a trip to Iceland, even if it's a short trip. So well done, Play Air uh, or Play Airlines. And uh, yeah, we're gonna have some military stories here in the next couple minutes, and we will look forward to some content from Reno. There we go. Honestly, if it's not a, a fantastic location or a backdrop, <laughs> Armando just like there, there's 
I just want to just live his life for like a, a week. <laughs> yeah, I know. Tell me about it. The, the boy just lives a rock star lifestyle, does our Armando. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if I'd want to, because I mean, he also must spend most of his entire budget. I'm you know, talking to, to Andy here. This is, this is a risky game, but he must be absolutely exhausted most of the time. <laughs> That's the price you've got to pay. Yeah, true, true. For living the dream, as it were. Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay. Um, we, better, we better get going, haven't we? Yes, we're going to quickly, quickly go through the chat room. Just thank everyone for joining us in the YouTube chat room this week. Going to run down the list quickly. Captain Cruz, hello to you, Richard Adams. We've got Sturman, hello to you, Sturman. Uh, we've got Mazus Kareem, hello to you, Mazus. Good to see you in there, Dirk S. Uh, we scroll down. Alan White, hello to you. Rick Bell has obviously been in there as well. Hello to Masha at GB's Model Zone. Stephen Ivey's also in there tonight. Hello, Stephen. Uh, Andy Wilson, hello to you, Andy. Uh, we've got, scroll down, make sure I don't miss anyone out. Richard Adams, I said, didn't I? Uh, have we got some blue spanners of doom? Oh, we have got, oh, I, I think Neville was wielding a blue spanner in there, a spanner in there at some point. So, um, Thank you to one and all for joining us this evening in there. Don't forget, if you're listening to the audio podcast, take yourselves over to YouTube, search for us, Plain Talking UK. Hit the subscribe button and the bell icon next door to be notified when we are live and recording new episodes like this, because we'd love to have you in the family's chat room. So, Matt, loads to get through. So, shall we do some uh, some commercial news? Yeah, absolutely. With, uh, with a little bit of a platinum jubilee beginning. <laughs> uh, really? Ooh. The captain has turned on the seatbelt light. Please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts. So, first story this week, this is all regarding the Platinum Jubilee flypast and comes to us from simpleflying.com and military-airshows.co.uk. And a spectacular flypast by over 70 aircraft was enjoyed by millions in London yesterday uh, as part of the Queen Elizabeth's Platinum celebration, marking 70 years of her reign. The event saw Britain's newest F-35 military jets join historic Spitfires before flying over Buckingham Palace. The flypast watched by the royal family and millions from home. And while this spectacle may have appeared easy, it was a culmination of weeks of planning and rehearsals. So just how hard is it to organise a 70 aircraft flyover through central London? So to begin with, the UK's National Air Traffic Services, or NATS, had to establish where the aircraft would be and on what time. Once it had established that, NATS put in place the relevant temporary operating procedures, which controllers use to keep civil aircraft at a safe distance while also minimising disruption. The Royal Air Force also requested that the UK Civil Aviation Authority put in place airspace restrictions that prevent aircraft from flying into certain airspace without prior permission. The flypast travelled through some normally bustling airspace, both London Heathrow and London City Airport, and they had to pause their air traffic movements for a few minutes. Around a third of the aircraft actually flew over the Heathrow as part of their dispersal route, 
a possible silver lining for the thousands of travellers caught up in the UK's travel chaos over the Platinum Weekend. The aircraft first gathered over the North Sea before flying southeast towards central London. The aircraft flew over Buckingham Palace at a height of around 1,000 feet and 1,400 feet. London terminal controllers were sitting alongside military operators for direct coordination purposes, and as soon as the flypast had finished, the controllers restarted normal operations again. So far, 2022 has been a busy year for UK flyovers, and so far this year there's been an RAF memorial flight at Runnymede, uh, one over Downing Street in honour of the visiting Japanese PM and yesterday's event. However, Nats are also involved in planning a flypast of the MAL on the 5th of June to celebrate the big Jubilee launch and another later in June over Trafalgar Square in support of London Pride. So 70 aircraft taking part in the Jubilee flypast uh, yesterday. We had the uh, Wildcats HMA2s, uh, two of the uh, Merlin, uh, the Wildcats AH1s, three Apaches, Wildcats AH1, so three Merlins, HC4s, uh, three Pumas, three Chinooks, the BBMF Lancaster, uh, which flew over me yesterday here uh, on my picture here behind me, uh, two Spitfires, uh, the Phenom, uh, four Texans, three Herculeses, uh, an A400 Atlas, a C-17 Globemaster three, the Poseidon, a rivet joint, the Voyager, and two Typhoons, and four F-35B Lightnings, and four Hawk T-2s, 15 Typhoons, and the Red Arrows, nine Hawk T-1s all took part in the display. I was lucky enough yesterday, uh, as Matt knows and the team knows, that uh, we had... uh, the Lancaster fly directly overhead uh, of our house here in Bungie, Suffolk, and literally flew right over the house here. I was absolutely gutted because I was I was um, on the radio when we had a Spitfire come over today, mm. and I was on the radio and it's like it was, I couldn't even get like a phone out to like take a photo of it because I was right in the middle of the link. Well, uh, I want to say a sad yeah. big thanks to Mr. Warner, Jonathan Warner, because he messaged me to. Uh, alert me to the fact that the Lancaster was en route to our, our neck of the woods. So I grabbed the camera, got the big lens out, got the step ladders out in the uh, garden, mm. climbed to the top. And uh, honestly, you, you heard it before it got here. It's, yeah, uh, it I is bet. one hell of a sound. It's a beautiful it sound. It is. Yeah. Can't beat it, can you? It's, a, it's an awesome number. A great sight. A great sight indeed. Absolutely. Okay. We've been told we're so, going to keep it a bit pacey today. I know. We're pacey. Yeah, absolutely. Busy so, old uh, show, apparently. <laughs> it is a busy show. So it's uh, the next story is uh, on Euronews.com. This is uh, a commercial news story from uh, this week's news. And it's also on inews.co.uk. And is, as is all seen on the news this week, it has been absolute chaos here in the UK's airports. uh, disruption and chaos there's the words here on these headlines it's been a week of travel chaos with passengers who were due to depart from various airports around the uk and ireland netherlands and further afield sharing stories of cancelled honeymoons missed events and holidays gone wrong put simply the aviation sector is experiencing high volumes of passengers and pandemic driven cuts in staff have resulted in biblical queues and absolute carnage a far cry from the queue-loving stereotypes many people have of the British people. I can't stand queues. Uh, speaking to the Times, a government source also blamed the aviation sector. 
He said the simple fact is that airlines and airports overcut staff during the pandemic. The source added that the surge in bookings after COVID pandemic was wholly foreseeable and customers are now facing huge frustration. Although airports have been recruiting new staff, the new, uh, new team members requiring training and lengthy security vetting before they're allowed to start, which can take months. Also, they said the Guardian said that uh, some industry or some people in the industry feel the current travel boom might be a summer bubble and demand for flights could fade this autumn as the cost of living crisis and rising energy prices squeeze consumer spending. Recruitment drives are lagging and stem by lengthy uh, security checks and unattractive working conditions. Air Council International, Europe's trade body for airports, have predicted that delays are inevitable at two-thirds of UK's and Europe's airports this summer. Schiphol is suffering from critical staff shortages uh, last month, and Schiphol requested that KLM cancel or redirect hundreds of flights to ease the pressure on the airport. And also, workers at Schiphol are threatening to strike, a warning it will be a hot summer unless job permanency and pay rights improve. At Dublin Airport, more than 1,000 people missed their flights while waiting in long lines to even enter the airport building. Security cited 17 absences in security staff as a contributing factor. Ryanair said from its customer base alone there were over 1,500 people missing flights. Visitors to Manchester Airport have waited up to seven hours in winding queues and TUI announced on Tuesday this week that nearly 400 flights would be axed before the end of June, impacting 34,000 travellers. Ow. Mm. It's, I mean, um, I mean, there's a very amusing little uh, meme here, as I say, because uh, one one of the things is, isn't it? I mean, obviously, we're thinking cabin crew and all that kind of thing, um, but a, a lot of the problems actually is more the ground stuff, isn't it? Things like the ancillary uh, bits and pieces uh, is the reason why these flights uh, are being delayed and stuff. As I mean, I mean, when we were talking before the show, I mean, Andy, you were saying that, like, sort of, for a lot of the airlines, it's it's not the glamorous industry that everybody thinks it is. No. And let, let's start at the beginning of this. Uh, what is it? The government source. Well, I also believe that uh, Grant Shapps himself has come out and tried to blame everybody other than the government, <laughs> which doesn't help because they give zero uh, help to the aviation industry. Mm. So even though people were furloughed, you know, they were still going to cut back and they cut back hard and too deep, in my opinion. Um, in every part of it, from ground handling to cabin crew and some airlines, pilots and others like Virgin took a real big hit. Um, and now seeing that the bookings were wholly foreseeable, well, yes, that's true, but we still didn't know what we were going to be able to fly because it was coming and going in waves that we could fly, we couldn't fly, we could fly, countries open, countries closed. It's an absolute mess. And then you also get on to recruiting new staff. Um, the training doesn't take that long for ground handling, that sort of thing, but the security event massive issues there because again dft um don't have the staff to deal with it so the government could help out there so you know it's just this whole chain of events that's got us to this point where we're now seeing before we even hit the proper summer huge queue seven hours long at manchester i mean how can you turn up for a flight with a young family you know a flight at 6 a.m and think oh well i need to start queuing at 10 p.m it just it doesn't work so there's a lot of work to do. I think there's still a bit more angst to come before it starts mm-hmm. to get better, but hopefully it will start to get better soon. Indeed. Indeed. It's, um, 
I mean, I've, I, this, 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 this is a meme kind of made me amuse. It said, if we got Aldi staff to do security at the airport, everyone would be through in two minutes. <laughs> I think, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, it, but, uh, that's, it would be, you'd be picking up your bags from halfway down the hall, the speed that you put that shopping through. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, details, details. I mean, it's, you know, it's just sort of like, like all that kind of thing. But I think, I think you're onto a bit of a, a point there, though, really, when you were saying sort of like, uh, I suppose it, it I, I'm trying to play devil's advocate a little bit here. Um, but like in terms of like you say like going in sort of hard and deep as far as like the the furloughing and and, and like laying off staff and stuff is concerned. I mean everybody sort of held their nerve for about sort of three or four months really before it yeah. it started big time. But in some respects, I almost don't blame the airlines because it's like when it became clear that there was no obvious. Either this wasn't, I mean, after three or four months, I, I, I remember having a conversation with my mum, literally saying, this isn't going to be fixed very quickly. I'm going to be off work for a long time. You yeah. Know? I mean, and, and the coach industry that I was working in at the time, they had a similar problem. I mean, no help from the government was available for the, the travel industry yeah. in general. And so like, you know, the industry I worked as a coach driver, you know, suddenly overnight, nobody wanted to go to London anymore. And and every industry was hemorrhaging ridiculous yeah. amounts of money per yeah. day. And the aviation sector with the cost of yeah. aircraft leasing, parking the things. Absolutely. None of it's cheap. It was running into millions yeah. a day that was just going down the pan with no help. And unfortunately they got the point management where they had to start doing something. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing as well, as we talked about before we started this off, if you were a ground handler and you got caught then you went off and found a job, and aviation is not uh, a socially no. acceptable job for having a life outside of work. Yeah. You know, they've gone off and found jobs working nine to five, Monday to Friday, for the same money or more. Why would you come back? Yeah, indeed, mm. and it, and it's definitely an industry that uh, you know you everybody needs to know. Like you know, it's like if you've got a family, for example. I mean, they that that's a hard thing for them to deal with, isn't it? Because you, yeah. you you're away from home for long periods of time. It takes. I mean, I, I seem to remember from conversations we've had, Andy, for example, uh, you had two uh, nights where you should have been home and couldn't because of like medical emergencies or, yeah. or problems. I mean, it's it's such a volatile thing. I mean, you've you've really got to have an understanding partner, haven't you, if you want to be in the aviation <laughs> yeah. industry? Yeah. I'm a lucky man. I do have a very, very yeah. understanding wife. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we could talk about this uh, more and more, but uh, we'd better move yeah. on. Matt, you've got the next story, and uh, it looks like Norwegian have uh, come into some money. Indeed, indeed. Uh, the headline uh, from aerotime.aero is Norwegian Air Shuttle recommits to acquire 50 Boeing 737 Maxes by 2028. Norway's largest airline, Norwegian Air Shuttle, aims to expand its fleet with at least 50 Boeing 737 MAX 8 aircraft, uh, MAX aircraft by 2028. On the 30th of May 2022, uh, Norwegian reached an agreement in principle with Boeing to acquire 50 of said aircraft for options of additional 30 aircraft if they wanted. Uh, Norwegian's recommitment to the Boeing 737 MAX comes after it had previously threatened to cancel a previous order for 92 of the aircraft type 
in June 2020 amid the global grounding of the pandemic uh, of the aircraft sorry of the aircraft model not because of the pandemic although obviously we then had a pandemic in between uh, however the move never materialized a month later it even filed a lawsuit in which it accused Boeing of breaching its contract over the way the manufacturer handled the production and delivery of its aircraft uh, the Norwegian low-cost carrier said that the new planes will be delivered between 2025 and 2028 and the delivery schedule coincided with the expiration of current leases the airline uh, expects uh, sorry estimates that the following agreement will be in place with the manufacturer and it could boost its equity by booking a net gain of up to 202 million um, uh, dollars uh, which is just just crazy isn't it the airline intends to finance the outstanding balance of the pre-delivery payments through positive cash flow from operating activities the uh, Norwegian air shuttle statement said a significant share of the aircraft will be owned by the company ensuring an optimized and balanced aircraft financing structure the agreement in principle with boeing should be concluded by the end of june 2022 according to the statement i mean that's uh that's 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 a big uh i think it's a big tick isn't it really for the max which i know is plenty of these lying around well yes i suppose there is a point out in the uh, chat room there's plenty of aircraft lying around (laughs) and they chopped their fleet from 140 to 53 when they paired back and got rid of all the um the dreamliners yeah they expanded too rapidly last time is history going to repeat who knows have they learnt lessons well, that's the big thing, yeah, yes. Indeed. I mean, pre- previously they had uh, a UK operation, a Swedish operation, a, an Argentinian one for a while as well. Yeah. Um, they spread out, they spread themselves quite thin and didn't make any money. Yeah. Which is not a good thing to do if you run an airline. No, no. No, no it's an expensive hobby that way, isn't it? It is yeah. an expensive hobby. <laughs> Aviation <laughs> is a very expensive hobby. It doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. indeed. Yeah, that, uh, I'm going to say that, a quick hello true. to Jonathan Warner. He's just joined us in the chat room. Hello to you, Mr. Warner. <laughs> very, good, very good. Andy, you've got the next story, and uh, we had some sad news this week. Yes, unfortunately. Um, Nepal to tighten its aviation regulations in the wake of a deadly crash. Now, this has come from several uh, resources, the BBC, Flight Radar, AeroInside.com. Uh, on May the 29th, uh, Tara Air de Havilland uh, DHC-6300 Twin Otter, registration 9 November Alpha Echo Tango, performing a flight from Pokhara to Jomsom in Nepal with 19 passengers and three crew, was en route at 13,000 feet, about 16 nautical miles south of Jomsom, about to enter the valley for the approach into Jomsom near Leti Pass, when the aircraft disappeared from radar. A search, including two helicopters, was underway, but was hampered by poor visibility in the area where the aircraft was assumed to have crashed. The aircraft was found at the uh, Sanosware Cliff, seven nautical miles southwest of Jomsom, the following morning, but rescuers found, sadly, no survivors. On uh, May the 31st, the Civil Aviation Authority of Nepal, so we call him CAN, reported that the cockpit voice recorder was found and recovered from the crash site. A full investigation of the crash is underway, but a preliminary inquiry suggested that bad, bad weather caused the incident. The airline reported before departure of the aircraft weather conditions before departure of the weather conditions were checked and it was known that Letty Pass was covered with clouds. Two aircraft were scheduled to fly in. 
The flights planned to depart at 6.15, but departed late at 9.55 after the weather had improved. The other aircraft flew three minutes ahead of the crashed aircraft and arrived safely in Jomsom. Can introduced on Tuesday new regulations mandating that all flights flown under VFR, so that's visual flight rules, can only be flown after the aircraft operator submits a flight plan with weather information for the destination and the entire route of the flight. Providing on-route weather information was previously not mandatory. CAN's notification said that the pilot in command will no longer decide on the feasibility of flights and the decision to fly regarding the weather will be made by the airport. That's an interesting one. Aircraft operators have raised concerns about how to implement the new regulations, citing the country's limited weather forecasting infrastructure. And there's a quote here from a spokesperson of the Airline Operators Association of Nepal that says, though the decision is essential and plays a vital role in flight safety, we're confused on how to implement it as there is no clear way to get the en-route weather information for domestic flights. So there, that's interesting. They're trying to put a stick and plaster on something. Yeah. Yeah, it does sound like that. Now, uh, interestingly enough, uh, John has uh, sort of put forward some of his own uh, his own opinions, I, I should say here, and he's just saying uh, a comment on this from him personally. I, I think what it's saying is that the PIC will not be deciding on the feasibility of the flight mid-flight, although that's going to continue anyways because uh, of how, uh, how could it not, basically. But the CAN will make the PIC decide that weather is or is not a factor at the airport there's a lot of media quoting the can publication as saying that it gives the airport the authority and not the pic however i can't find any primary source to confirm this and this possibly could be a translation error uh, the publication has not been officially released in english which i think is a very important a uh, bit mm. of information there, actually. So, uh, do, you, do you think uh, this was sea fit, Andy? Oh, one hundred percent. I saw the um, the pictures of the crash site, and yeah, it's flown straight at the side of a hill. Very sad. Yeah. Um, but you can never take away the the pilot in command. He's the commander of the aircraft. You know, in flight, you can't make decisions for them. This is sort of turned into a, sort of a pseudo IFR or a special VFR flight, where obviously if the weather's not good enough at either end, then they just refuse to accept the flight plan so you can't fly. Mm. Which which I can sort of understand, but it's the pilot in command is supposed to be he's there for a reason. You know, he proved mm. that he can command an aircraft, he or she, sorry, or they um, and that they have the prerequisite skills and experience to do this. So yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I mean if it's something that stops accidents in that area, then okay. It's maybe it's a good thing. But mm. again, very interesting way of doing it. Yeah. Yes, I think I think that's fair comment. Yeah, it's 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 a tricky situation, and I guess uh, time will tell on this one. Yeah, mm. challenging areas to to fly in. They are mm. very Indeed, yeah. mountainous terrain requires a lot of special training. Anyway, yeah. mm. I can imagine. I can imagine. So the next story, and a completely different end of the scale, this one. This comes to us from virgin.com, aerotime.aero, the Guardian News Hub, and cntraveler.com. And uh, the headline, Virgin Atlantic relaxes tattoo policy for employees. Oh, my word. So Virgin Atlantic will now allow cabin crew to display tattoos on their arms, becoming the first British airline to relax restrictions on visible 
body art. Until uh, this week, any ununiformed Virgin Atlantic employee had to make sure their tattoos were covered. But now employees can show off their ink to the world while still representing Virgin Atlantic in their uniform. Virgin Atlantic said that that face and neck and head inkings must remain covered for the time being. However, the airline said it hopes to change this policy in the near future. Offensive tattoos, for example, if they depict nudity, violence or drugs or alcohol or profanities are still required to be covered up. Also, prison-style knuckle tattoos will also remain prohibited. Estelle Hollingsworth, Chief People Officer at Virgin Atlantic, commented that at Virgin Atlantic, we want everyone to be themselves and know that they belong. Many people use tattoos to express their unique identities and customer-facing and uniform colleagues should not be excluded from doing so if they choose. That's why, in line with our focus on inclusion and championing uh, individuality, we are relaxing our tattoo restrictions for all of our people. We're proud to be the airline that sees the world differently and allows our people to be truly themselves. In 2019, Virgin Atlantic dropped its makeup rule for cabin crew members, again becoming one of the first main airlines in the country to do so. 2019 saw Air New Zealand drop their policy regarding visible non-offensive tattoos and in august of 2021 united updated their policy to allow crew and have visit uh, to have visible tattoos uh, with the proviso that they may be the size of the employee's work badge or smaller so what do we think i personally don't have any tattoos andy if uh, have you got any no no i'm i'm not a tattoo man i'm frightened of uh, a small pinprick from a needle let alone spending six <laughs> hours and hours yeah yeah it's not for me, but um, you know, my wife's got toes, and no, no problem. I don't see any issue with it all, uh, at all. I, th- I think, I think that's. The, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a little bit on the fence on this one. Um, I've never uh, personally been a fan of, of tattoos. Uh, I have to say, the older I've got, the more I've warmed to them. Them, if you see what I mean. I was sort of quite anti anti when I was younger and and, and I, I suppose i've got two schools of thoughts in my head personally is like on the one hand uh, you should absolutely not be restricting people to express themselves in the way that they wish to um so i guess that's sort of the, the end of the argument for me really i, I can't really have i can't really have that opinion and then be complaining because people are people are showing off their tattoos i really i suppose isn't it i don't know it's, i suppose my i my, i suppose my concern and i think they've tried to address that haven't they with the um you know anything that's vaguely offensive obviously must still um remain covered up for example uh, i guess that would be my only sort of cravat to that is that you know they they need to be tasteful and not sort of you know, sort of like the old sailor tattoos and, and things like that. Some very interesting and comical comments in the chat room this evening regarding right. the story. Uh, we'll start with um, um, Dirk S, who's saying, uh, so Virgin Atlantic planes can now spontaneously take part in air tattoos. I see what he did there. Yes. Main man Mike <laughs> oh. says, Virgin Atlantic at Riyadh. <laughs> That'd be quite to see. Uh, Masha is saying actually that uh, her mum was seventy four when she got her first. Oh wow, tattoo. love that! Never too late. Absolutely, no, wow. I agree. Yeah, I that, agree. That is, that is good. This, now, now the ultimate question for me is: Would I rather get a tattoo or would I rather uh, do a skydive? I wonder which one I would prefer. Oh, skydive every day. 
Uh, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, Micah, there's a there's a point that you can let people express themselves to. I, I don't want to see people. I don't want to work. In fact, I'm going to come to work in uniform. All right, just going on what your comments are saying in there. Yeah. Indeed, I'm being told off by uh, producer John, who's supposed to be sleeping, by the way, but he's obviously listening. Oh, really? Well, no, because I said the word cravat. That's and, and that's that. Not oh, the right, right. It's not the right word, is it? That's not the word I was looking. What but, word but was I looking we, for? Before we move on, obviously, <laughs> yeah. Andy. I didn't mean our, a tie before anyone asks. <laughs> Andy, being our resident pilot on the show this evening, do do you like your uniform that you wear for your particular uh, airline, Andy? Oh, that's a that's a good question. It's a bog standard shirt and trousers and tie. The material could be better. That's yeah. about it, really. Is it the old plastic polyester? <laughs> the shirts have got better. The shirts have actually got a percentage of cotton in them now, I believe. <laughs> Two percent. Oh, a percentage. <laughs> right. A percentage, got, yes. Got a number in it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, it, it's okay. I mean, it survives. You can tell it's indestructible. I've had the same uh, jacket for the past five years, and it still looks fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. I suppose there is that. Yes, it does. It's a bit, bit harder wearing if it's if it's not actually. But yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, so Matt, you've got yeah. So uh, just, got... just last comment on this, if oh. I may, Matt. Uh, I'm Matt. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Mark has been in touch via the WhatsApp number plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six, saying I would say that standards are standards, but we are in changing times. Yes, we very are. good point. Very it is a very, very good true. point. Absolutely. Okay, so, mate, sorry you've to got the uh, you've got the next story, and uh, uh, a pilot's been fired. Oh, I see. Oh, 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 yes. Hmm. Literally, this is, no. This is this is not good, is it? Really? Uh, okay, this is uh, from rev- uh, several sources here: aviationpros.com, uh, gatechecks, traveler.com, uh, uh, live and let's fly I'm going to go and get a beer like while you're that. reading yeah. all the links yeah. Yeah. Okay. and many other services I'll make sure that all the details are in the show <laughs> notes uh, ITA pilot fired after allegedly sleeping during a long haul flight the captain of a long haul flight between New York and Rome was fired after accusations that he fell asleep and was un- uh, unavailable while flying over France on the 1st of May ITA Airways confirmed on Tuesday that the pilot who denied the incident was dismissed but stressed that passengers were not in danger at any time the incident occurred on the 1st of may 2022 on board ita airways flight alpha zulu 609 and uh, on an a330-200 from jfk to rome According to the story published by Italian newspaper Repubblica, uh, both pilots were simultaneously sleeping for a period of at least 10 minutes while they were flying through French airspace. Uh, Reports indicate that the first officer was sleeping under a procedure known as controlled rest. This is a fatigue mitigation strategy that at ITA allows one pilot to rest for up to 40 minutes in the flight deck. Uh, uh, During this time, the other pilot is meant to remain alert and monitoring radios and other aircraft systems. As the A330 passed from uh, Bordeaux air traffic control to Marseille, control Controllers stationed in Marseille repeatedly tried to contact the aircraft. Uh, French air authorities contacted their Italian counterparts, who then contacted ITA Airways Central Command. ITA Airways Central Command attempted to contact the pilots directly, first via satellite phone and then through ACAS. Um, 
uh, Republica reports that French authorities prepared to scramble two fighter jets to intercept the aircraft. However, ATC re-established contact with the pilots 10 minutes after their initial contact efforts. Uh, the, uh, the captain claims that the reports of both crew members falling asleep were false and that there was a failure with the aircraft's radio system. An inspection carried out by ITA engineers suggested otherwise as they found no fault with the equipment. An ITA spokesperson told the Telegraph that the flight was on autopilot flying at normal speed and altitude and never detoured from its route. Passenger safety was never compromised. Uh, It's uh, an an interesting note uh, to what the company said about the firing, uh, which may or may not be of interest. Uh, This investigation led to the identification of a behaviour of the captain that did not comply with the procedures in force during both the flight and once landed i.e. a professional conduct uh, sorry i.e. a professional conduct that was not consistent with the behavioral and working rules dictated by the company which the staff is required to fo- follow strictly and above all of strong inconsistencies between the statements uh, made by the captain and the outcome of the internal investigations in light of this the company has adopted a disciplinary uh, measure that has led to the immediate removal of the of the resource from the ITA Airways workforce as the relationship of trust in the working environment has been broken I think this is the camel that broke the straw uh, the camel the straw that broke the, straw the, camel's, the camel's back, back absolutely I mean oh, yeah. I mean, again, they've gone to great lengths here to sort of stress that no harm came to anyone. Essentially, the, the you know the aircraft was on on autopilot and all that kind of thing. But I'm just trying to think of it from a like an air traffic controller point of view. That ten minutes must have felt like a lifetime. Yeah, ten minutes is a long time to be out of contact with someone. Yeah. Especially, especially, well, especially when you're hand- living now. Yeah, and you're hand, you're you're sort of handing over from one, you know, from one tower to another, basically. Uh, yeah, you one know. area controller to another. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that must. I, I can only imagine. I can only imagine what on what on earth that must what must have been going on. Well, in both towers, I suppose, isn't it? Because they contacted um, the other tower, the, the ITA and stuff. Um, yeah. You know, they're not responding to the sat. That's the bit that worried me. Really, is it's like you know, it doesn't indicate. I mean, I'm perhaps we're missing some data here, but they're saying it was, you know, that the sat phone basically was rang and they still didn't respond initially. Yeah. Well, looking at this, the first officer was having his controlled rest, which is correct. It is a procedure in airlines. It, it varies how many minutes you can have asleep. And then you also have to inform the cabin crew so that um, there's two way communication between the flight deck every X amount of minutes. Right. Um, and it also depends how many crew they were carrying as well. I'm, in this case, I'm thinking on that sort of flight that they were only carrying two pilots, so there wasn't a third in a rest bunk, if it even has it on that aircraft, I don't know. Um, and it looks like you, when you do controlled rest, you have to have – you can't just turn around. To, I couldn't turn around to the first officer and go, right, I'm going to sleep now, okay? Yeah. You have to, you have to make sure that they are in a position where they're not going to fall asleep themselves. Yes. So if they don't feel comfortable with it, then there's – if if I haven't been an overbearing, horrible captain all day, they're going to turn around to me and say, you know, Andy, I'd rather you didn't because I'm feeling a bit tired myself. Yeah. So, right, okay, let's sort out some coffee. Let's get ourselves back in the yeah, game here. absolutely. Yeah. But the captain obviously said, yeah, I'll do it. And he has clearly fallen asleep as well. Yeah. The problem here is that his 
um, his report into the incident clearly doesn't match with what actually occurred. And that's yeah. where the issues come in. I've Absolutely. seen this many times before with many instances where you think, well, it's not that Mm. it's not that big a thing why have they been sacked and then oh well they did this a few months ago they did this last year you know it's all just a a pile of final straw stuff like you said earlier isn't it yeah Yeah. Uh, now actually John's been doing a bit of digging as well which it was just fascinating and he's he stumbled across like the favourite things about this this story (laughs) for him are the headlines here and he was saying that ABC 11 said pilots reportedly fall asleep on international flights uh, Business Insider said pilot fired, uh, fired after he fell asleep and triggered terror alert. I mean, that's, a slight, that's, <laughs> that's a slight over-exaggeration, isn't it? Uh, News, News Beezer uh, said when the, pilot, uh, when the pilot of the passenger plane fell asleep, the alarm went off. His apology made him say, give up. Okay. <laughs> what does that even mean? I have no idea. Uh, Italy latest news said ITA pilot fired for alleged sleepiness. Oh, sleepiness. Sleepiness. Love I think that's lovely. Uh, youthistan.com, whatever. The, yeah, that's a, I'll be looking that one up later. Uh, the, uh, strange, the pi- uh, strange, the pilot started sleeping as soon as he took off the plane. The government understood that the plane was a hijack. Uh, and Great finally. Grammar there. Great so grammar. Already, yeah, so he's already been asleep for eight hours as yes, well absolutely. across the Atlantic. Of course. He sh- yeah. He should be feeling really fresh. Yes, absolutely. He should have been wide awake, shouldn't he, really? Uh, Airways <laughs> magazine, who I think, uh, as John pointed out, who should probably know better uh, <laughs> out of all of these to put a, uh, you know, to have put out this kind of headline. Uh, both pilots flew the Airbus A330 asleep. Now, that is some skill to be able to fly asleep, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. How can you fly an aircraft asleep? Well, well exactly. Anyway, we, we, mind, we can... mind waves? <laughs> I don't know. Is it? It is an Airbus. Um, you know oh, that dear. that won't be long, no doubt. You know, joysticks will be a thing of the past. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and on good segue there, Matt. To the next story. I know. It's like uh, I'm and, reading the show notes. It's I know. Amazing. Andy, yeah. you've got uh, you've got the next story, and this this is something that that I've been looking into in regards to uh, my home sim. Well, this is something I'm currently working on at work as well. Um, but this is CAE puts VR to work in pilot training, and this is from uh, AINonline.com. Simulator manufacturer and training provider CAE is targeting virtual and mixed reality, so VR and MR technology, for new training platforms, including its latest Sprint VR trainer. The device includes physical stick, throttle, and rudder controls, CAE's medallion image generator, a VR headset, and a haptic feedback for actuation of instrument panel equipment. Sprint stands for self-paced real-time insights for next-generation training. That really rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? (laughs) And it's designed to allow students to practice flying using a virtual coach and CAE's RISE performance grading and assessment tools. The students can use the Sprint trainer to practice training tasks, procedures, and maneuvers in an affordable, high-fidelity, immersive environment to master lessons at their own pace according to CAE. For military customers, CAE's Mission (laughs) Augmented Virtual Reality uh, Rear Crew Trainer, or Maverick as they're calling it, was a step further with mixed reality technology employed in a physical replica of an aircraft fuselage. 
Designed to provide a realistic train environment for aircrew working in a helicopter's cabin, the Maverick allows crew to work together in a simulated outside environment that is presented on their helmet-mounted displays. The device includes working doors, a fully functional ramp, flat and bubble windows, and cabin displays. Training scenarios that can be replicated include medical evacuations, search and rescue, surveillance, door gunner, and confined area landings, according to CAE. Pilots can be added to to the training scenarios by coupling the Maverick with a full mission simulator or flight training device. CAE also offers the option of distributed mission operations where the Maverick can be networked with other training devices for comprehensive and immersive mission mission training and rehearsal. This is VATSIM brought to uh, commercial aviation, essentially. You know all about VATSIM, don't you, Carlos? Yeah, I've, I've dabbled in it. I must admit, I've had a little... Uh... A little play with Vassim. No clue. It's no clue. <laughs> it's good fun. It, this um, stuff is the future. This is brilliant. I'm yeah. quite looking forward to the weekend actually, because uh, I've got a full. Because I'm staying in Carlos's house next week, and I'm very much looking forward to probably having a go at firing up this sim and having a go at it myself. I was, <laughs> good luck see, with that because it's not set up. Oh, is it? All right, okay. <laughs> so is this where I get a mountain of text messages going? How yeah. do you turn? How, it how do you on? do this? How do, how do you do, do that? this? Yeah. How do you do that? Oh no, I can, I can easily I can easily put together a system that enables us to br- broadcast live for four hours from the middle of a park. That's not a problem. That's easy peasy. But apparently the sim car the the, the sim thingy will be a step too far for me so and he's probably right let's be honest uh, <laughs> it, it, it i've got it off to a tee i could oh, probably sure. set i can set it up now it probably takes me i don't know 10 minutes to get everything okay. set up and right. stuff but you're quite right i won't bother it is, a fact. Yeah. it is a fact <laughs> I, I need to i need to get another another room to set the sim up permanently oh yeah good luck with that yeah <laughs> Well, you might as not well get happen. the walls and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just it's not going to happen. Yeah, just just either buy a lot of diamonds or 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 a divorce, one or other. Well, I've got next yeah. week to try that on holiday. You have that is yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah. yeah. So, so, this this stuff is brilliant for the future. It's oh, it cheap. is yeah for it's training. It's easier. Yeah. Um, there's lots of good uses for it as well, and I think the world of um, of upset recovery training as well is going to head down this road mm. where you can actually. We do upset recovery training in simulators. Um, uh, Captain Nick did a whole uh, set of plane tales on upset recovery training. And the one thing that's missing in simulators is the physiological effects. You mm. don't feel a G no. or the spin. So you can use a system like this and put it in, you know, the simulators that they have for like Formula One cars and stuff like that. Yeah. And put it on a, a full rotating axis as well, so you can go upside down, and you can really start to get the um, the feeling of yeah. you're in a very nasty place in the aircraft, and you need to get out of it mm. without the cost of taking a aerobatic aircraft up and doing it in that. So it, it has real. so many um, future applications; it's brilliant, lovely. So that'll be the next upgrade for your your uh, sim, then, by the sound of it, Carlos. We better yeah. move on um, yeah. with the next better, story. Better win the lottery as well. Well, yeah, there is um, that. Yeah, move on <laughs> to the next story. And uh, this one comes to us from Reuters.com. And Jobby receives FAA nod to start air taxi services commercially. Interesting name. Jobby Aviation, yes, you heard me right, J-O-B-Y, Jobby Aviation, said on Thursday this week it had received certification from the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, that would allow it to begin air taxi operations commercially with a conventional airplane. Although it, the uh, certification gives the necessary clearance it, and is a significant milestone, the company still has an additional regulatory hurdle to clear before its five-seater aircraft can legally fly passengers. 
The FAA's Part 135 air carrier certificate is among the regulatory approvals critical for Jobby's planned launch of an all-electric aerial ride-sharing service in 2024. A certification would let Jobby operate its electric vertical takeoff and landing or eVTOL aircraft as an air taxi service in cities and communities across the United States. The FAA said it's issued Jobby the Part 135 certificate on the 19th of May after they completed the five-phase certification process. Jobby has one aircraft on the certificate, a Cirrus SR-22. Jobby says it plans to use the conventional aircraft to refine systems and procedures in advance of launching the EV toll service targeted for 2024. In February, Jobby's piloted prototype aircraft met with an accident during a flight test oh dear, at its base in California, but no injuries were reported. And it uh, says, uh, John's put a note in here, it's still a long way to go for this industry to be set up entirely. He's also said that uh, if you want some more uh, mm. snippets of info on this particular kind of uh, flying, uh, check out uh, our UAM discussion with Honeywell on episode 366 of the show with Stefan Feynman. Is the paint job brown? No. I mean, how, how, can, how can you say jobby that much without at least <laughs> laughing once? I must admit, it is an interesting name they've chosen. Um, it's different, I'll give you that, yeah. <laughs> it is. So yeah, I had to lower the tone somehow. That, well, quite, absolutely. You've, you've done very well so far. I'm quite impressed. Uh, <laughs> He's not even drinking. I know, I know. Honestly, the joys of work in the morning, eh? Yes. Uh, we'll move on to the next story then. Uh, several sources on this one. Uh, AIN Online, EASA Europe, uh, and Bishop Storford Independent. Ooh, uh, is the story. The headline is EASA progresses on civil supersonic jet regulations. Uh, TLDR, EASA are going to introduce new regulations, mainly in preparation for supersonic transport. The current regulations are going to be amended to set noise limits for SST. What does SST mean? supersonic transport oh i see right yes yes fair enough and then also set initial requirements for cot limits for uh sst as well currently no i i K, icao uh, ico is it uh ico yeah. thank you standards exist for these two parameters for supersonic transport uh they're also going to set uh speed restrictions to prevent uh sonic boom over areas of concern like populated areas uh, while the ban on operations at supersonic speed over land remains in force in several world regions, including the US, uh, restrictions in the EU that were adopted after the Concorde SST was, uh, was withdrawn from commercial operation only, uh, uh, only uh, prohibit... Uh, they only prohibit supersonic flights under VFR, visual flight rules. Uh, comments can be made by the public, if you wish, until the 25th of July and uh, August the 25th for those uh, pieces of legislation. Uh, just an aside, an article came out this week uh, on the Bishop Storford Independent. That's the town next to Stansted Airport, if you're not quite sure where that is. Uh, talking about how Ryanair's new MAX aircraft are 40% quieter. Uh, 
Uh, it's a minus 3.4 dB change, but the logarithmic nature of the dB scale means that that equates to 40% less acoustic energy. Anywho, he says, uh, it's not a massive story in and of itself. We all knew that the max was going to be quieter, but the article even existing in the paper shows just how important noise factor is to people around airports in general. Um, now, one of the things that is sort of fascinating for me, and I, it's the same argument, isn't it? It's like um, where I wa- where I was before. I ran a pub for many years. Um, it was a pub that had been there since the 16th century, and neighbours would move into those houses and complain because the pub would make noise. <laughs> That's because I was doing karaoke there. Uh, well, quite, yes. Uh, and the, the the other thing that used to bother you, but, but it's the same with airports, isn't it? It's like you must know that you're in the flight path of a, of Heathrow, for example. So what, oh, I don't know. I get really frustrated with all this. I understand why there needs to be, you know, some kind of legislation and stuff, but I just get so frustrated with it all. I really do. Ugh, never mind. Anyway. No. The supersonic transport will be here one day, just not, yeah. I don't think, in our... I got you a lovely book of aeroplanes, Matt. I think I'm going to have to get you a book of acronyms now. <laughs> oh, that would be a brilliant one, Andy. Very, that would be very useful. I oh, well, that, that would... Is there one out there? We have to I find a book with, of with, aviation acronyms. With phonetic pronunciations as well. <laughs> yeah. That's what it needs. That would be so <laughs> To be fair, John does a very good job of putting stuff in the notes there that I still can't understand, yeah. so I don't think it'll help. Uh, as I say, I get that every time the show notes are, are written, but I still can't read it right. <laughs> Never mind. Andy, can you, can you tell my? Next, can you tell uh, reading was not one of my strong points when I was at well, school? No. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Regent Craft to design a hundred seater sea gliders in partnership with Hawaiian Airlines. Uh, yeah, sea gliders. I don't even know what these things are. I'm guessing I'm going to find out. And this is in flyingmag.com. Um, Regent Craft said it has entered an investment agreement with Hawaiian Airlines that will help support the design of Regent's Monarch, a 100 passenger electric powered sea glider. Uh, the Boston based company plans to have ready for commercial service by 2028. Sea gliders are bought aircraft hybrids in a category of vehicles sometimes known by the acronym WIG for wing in ground effect. They fly at uh, low altitudes over water to take advantage of the cushion of air between the wing and water that helps keep the craft airborne using less power than would be required to fly at higher altitudes like an aeroplane. Isn't this one of those... uh, didn't the Russians make these big ones of these? <laughs> Many pilots are familiar with ground effect, which causes airplanes, aircraft, to float down the runway, seemingly refusing to touch down when landing with excess airspeed. Regent Sea Glider designers operate like boats when leaving the harbour and use hydrofoils to lift the hull out of the water as it accelerates. The foil react, retracts sorry, once the vehicle is flying in ground. Oh. Effect. Both the Regent and Hawaii Airlines have said sea gliders are especially well suited to the airline's island hopping operations. Designed for coastal routes, sea gliders would compete with ferry boats and commuter seaplane operators. Regent also announced earlier this year to build uh, 200 smaller sea gliders, doesn't see how many seats, for Mesa Airlines. Well, this sounds quite fun. <laughs> Absolutely. It's uh, yeah, I I I love the um the idea of it. It's um, 
Yeah, Doctor, I, Doctor Steph's got her seaplane rating as well, actually, isn't she? Oh, yeah, right, yeah I'm pretty okay. sure. My jet doesn't. I know that doesn't surprise I mean, you at all, I, Matt. Well, I'd be more surprised if Armando didn't have one in some form or another. Oh, uh, blimey! Yeah, <laughs> we'll just get the book out for Armando and just go Indeed, through the ones. That yes, he has. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty looking. It's a pretty looking thing, though. Look. It is lovely. Yeah. As I say, again, if you're yeah. if you're listening to the audio version of this, then uh, if you look at the show notes, there'll be a link to this story, so you can take a look at the picture as well. But it, it, it's a very it's a very sort of space agey looking aircraft. I think it's got a real modern feel to it. How do you fly these in rough sea? How strong is that fuselage? Or yeah, pull, exactly. Um, in rough conditions, can it can it work? Who knows? Well, they'll have to they'll have to design it. So that it's got a, a a normal landing gear. So at least if the weather is poor, it could land on land on land if it needed to. It depends if there's electric. If it's electric powered, isn't it? If the engines yeah. have the the oomph to get it up to altitude to actually fly somewhere, though, because it's designed to sit in ground effect. Yeah. Mm. Interesting to see how they get on. Probably a lot of money we wasted again, but that's just me being a pessimist. <laughs> our our, our uh, main man, Uncle Micah, in the chat room is just saying that it's already been demonstrated to be terribly unsuccessful. Ah, throw a few more million at it. Yeah, what's a few million dollars, <laughs> honestly? Yes, but yeah, you're, uh, come on, guys, you're being really, really cynical here. I mean, there there has to be failure before you find success. You know, well, you, I think, you've got I to think practice. It's going to be a failure, right? No, I, no. Come on, you, you've got. You know, you've got to have a go at these things. Otherwise, you're going to end up. Oh, honestly, I give up. I'm sure it has already been tried. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're right. So, Matt's got the next story, and uh, we're uh, all hungry for this one. Yes, absolutely. I do love it where John's put the headline in here. It just says food. He knows he's a man who knows me too well. Clearly, the future travel experience dot com is the website, uh, and the headline is food. As I say, business class passengers on long haul flights with Swiss International Airlines can now pre order their in flight meal online free of charge ahead of their departure. In addition to the main dishes featured uh, under the carrier's Swiss Taste of uh, Switzerland uh, program, uh, customers have four further meals to choose from on long-haul flights from switzerland the orders can be placed up to 36 hours before the flight's scheduled departure swiss's long-haul business class uh, guests can choose from a wide range and varied selection of eight main in-flight meals uh, three of the options draw their inspiration from swiss cuisine uh, oh no uh, Azur- <laughs> 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 azuri galas yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, why not? Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sliced veal in cream sauce. It's um, lovely. Yeah, it, it does it's sound lovely. lovely, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Meatloaf with uh, morel, morel sauce and uh, perch fillets. Perch with, um, with lemon butter. I've not heard that before. I've I've caught perch before, but I've never eaten it. Uh, the fourth is a red vegetable curry with basmati oh. rice uh, from Zurich's uh, Hiltel's vegetarian restaurant, uh, Swiss's long-standing culinary partner. Uh, the current Swiss taste of Switzerland menu offers a main meal selection of beef tenderloin with peppercorn sauce, herb stuffed chicken 
Chicken, uh, Pike Perch Fillet with Lemon Beer Bonk, uh, or the vegetarian option of Singapore Noodles with Vegetables, which also comes from Hiltel as well, the world's oldest vegetarian restaurant. Uh, Swiss guests in all classes of travel can still pre-order special meals, depending on the flight, such as uh, kosher or gluten-free options. Uh, Such meals can be ordered free of charge, either when booking the flight or later on at a service centre. Yeah, I I mean, it's a great story, isn't it? Loving loving the look of this. It's um, It's lovely. I mean, for business class, I mean, that's, you know, does sound really nice. It does. I'd struggle to choose, to be honest. Absolutely. Uh, some great options there. I, I, I'm really liking the one that I was struggling with, the, 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 the description. The sliced feeling cream sauce. Yeah, that sounds that, that is delicious. That you is would right like that, Matt. Right. Yeah, that is yeah, I think, I think right Dirk right. knows all about that in the chat room. He's, oh, um, does he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dirk, Dirk knows what they are. Okay, very good. All yeah. right. <laughs> I, I like I love the sound of the beef tenderloin with peppercorn yeah. sauce. Oh my word! And uh, and producer John has just texted me to say, "Ha ha!" Oh, he's you still right. awake. Yeah, ha ha! Serves you right. You should have read the show nights like I told you to. So that is yeah, <laughs> it's kind of my own fault, isn't it? Really, never mind. There we go. <laughs> go on, kind then. of a far cry from the packet of crackers and the and a plastic try and well that is true that is true yeah <laughs> not all airlines like that i will say yeah. there are some very nice meals in the economy um in, in some yeah way. there are actually yeah yeah absolutely somebody's <laughs> got to eat them i suppose <laughs> oh you're nothing wrong i know you get the posh meals where you used to get andy <laughs> quite right absolutely he i mean andy goes beyond seat 1a andy's well quite in, yeah absolutely sort of uh minus 1a he always turns left that's the important thing he does yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah you do andy yeah always turn left <laughs> come on then next story Carlos. anyway this one comes to us from euronews.com 103 year old 103 year old swedish woman sets record for the world's oldest come on matt here's one for you parachuter Oh, if she can do it. Well, anyway, I'll let the chat room continue that discussion. Uh, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's an 103 year old Rut Larsen. The Swedish daredevil has set the world record for the oldest person to complete a tandem parachute jump. Larsen completed her jump, harnessed to a parachutist Joachim Johansson in Motala, Sweden. It was wonderful to do this, she said. I've been thinking about it for a long time, she explained. With her family and friends waiting on the airfield below, Larson sailed down smoothly before helpers rushed to pick her up with her walker. Nowadays, she said, I don't see too well, but it felt good, she said, when asked what she saw during her jump. An official from the Guinness World Records was on hand to record the jump. And Larson, who is 103 years young and 259 days old, beat the previous record holder, Alfred Al Bushk, who completed the jump at 103 years and 181 days. Um, uh, there was also an American woman who beat the record, so I had to beat her, says Larson, who may have a little bit of cake to celebrate her achievement. <laughs> Love. Love. I'd like to have seen the um, the risk assessment for this. <laughs> I, I, I dare say there were several waivers signed uh, on yeah. that particular experience. Uh, Captain Ridiculous Wits in the chat room is saying... 
That'll be Steph in the year 2017. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, and Dirk, uh, Dirk S is saying in the chat room, maybe it helps when you don't see where you're going. I mean, see, that's, that's what we need to do, Matt. All we need to do is blindfold you and throw you out of a Cessna caravan. <laughs> what a wonderful weekend that sounds like. <laughs> What you two get up to? Quiet. He's gone yeah. quiet. <laughs> Have you two he's, finished? He's, he's pondering. He's finished? Going, should I? Should I really do this? No, <laughs> no, I don't care what anyone says. The only way you're going to get me in that scenario is if you do, um, you, if you do the BA thing. Essentially, that's the only way you're going to get me in an aircraft and do that to me. And there are rules in this country now about doing that to a person. So. Uh, <laughs> So, would you like a glass of milk man no i wouldn't you're absolutely not <laughs> or should i say ba um what? yeah well yeah. oh i see what you did mr there. Barakas. yeah right yeah, um yeah, yeah. yes um yeah I, I well you know um well hold on matt what have i said to you i'd give you a million pound if you jumped out of that aircraft uh, well, I'd be because, asking where you're getting the million pound from. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the first thing. Well, just like, you know, I, I've, just, I've just won 150 on the Euros. Right, okay. I've got an odd million laying around. Then in which I, case, my answer would be, is that really all you're giving me? You type what's it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you heard it here first, Absolutely. you uh, PCUK you family. Absolutely not happening. That would not uh, also, accept a million like, pounds. I know, I, know, I know your wife very well. She'll have many questions about where you got the money from as well. So it's just like, yeah. And, fair, and, and, why, and why wasn't be, the first thing you went and bought diamonds? That's the other The two. room would be filled with, mm. it would have an actual aircraft. No, no, no. You'd have your own house. Um, you know, with an aircraft, you, with, yeah. with yeah, you'll have a hangar yeah. and all sorts. Um, well, oh, we're trying. Kate, Kate, you know. Katie from the radio station to say, "Parky Bear will help you, Matt." No, they absolutely won't. That's outrageous. Oi, I, I, yeah. Matt, Matt, Matt. Yes, what, what, what? Tell you what we should do. Oh, yeah, we should on. get Parky Bear to jump out of a no. plane. Oh, yes, actually, that doesn't involve me. Yes, That's let's do that. That's a good idea, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I like the sound of that. Yeah, I, yes. sus- I suspect I've got a sneaky, sneaky suspicion that Parky Bear has already done that. But anyway, there we go. Come on. We need to move on. I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is uh, that is where um, we bring the commercial news to a close this week. Now, unfortunately, this week I was again too busy to do the caption this competition oh, on the show. I know, honestly, it has been, and I Matt knows it's been a very busy week for me this week, and I haven't been I haven't been on top form in health wise this week either. No, um, no as you can probably tell by my. Slightly raspy voice every now and again. Yeah, I have. Uh, I haven't got what Carlos has. Carlos has had. It's just I've had a very busy few days. That's all. Yes, <laughs> it, it's been a busy, busy old week this it week has, for all yeah. of us. Um, apart from Mandy, um, but uh, oh, we have. <laughs> but we have got some military news uh, for uh, Mister Warner. Um, so, uh, oh, he will be would, delighted <laughs> if you would like to press the said button, Matt. Indeed, and we're making it up for we're making up for last week. By the way, I'm just putting that out there as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> 
laughing to myself here at the comment. Richard Adams put in the chat room and said, what is the coffee fund for? Yes. Anyway, <laughs> Rude. Uh, moving swiftly on. <laughs> Parachute jumps at, at bay. Uh, this first news story comes from the diplomat.com and Japan to co develop future fighter FX with the UK. The Japanese government is considering choosing British aerospace and defense contractor BAE systems to support prime contractor Mitsubishi Heavy Industries uh, in developing the F. X next generation fighter aircraft for the Japan Air Self-Defense Force, or the JASDF, informed sources have said. The move comes as a surprise to many because Japan's Ministry of Defense already had selected the U.S. company Lockheed Martin as the only possible main partner for the FX development. Uh, project back in 2020 and at that time the ministry said lockheed martin was selected as fx uh, integration support company candidate because it was considerably experienced in developing fifth generation fighters as in the f-22 and the f-35 compared with other two candidates ba systems and boeing in addition considering the strengthening of japan's u.s alliance in the past uh, post-war period it's extremely rare for tokyo to look to Britain rather than the United States for a major defence project. The FX program is one of the largest national projects in decades with the total project cost expected to amount to more than 1 trillion Japanese yen or 7.7 billion US dollars. So what's behind this unusual case? Lockheed Martin was not so enthusiastic about developing Japan's next generation fighter. A ruling liberal democratic party lawmaker who is a defense policy wonk said speaking to condition of anonymity. Moreover, for the US, the timing of the development of Japan's next fighter is off because the US has already developed the F-35s, the lawmaker said, adding this seems to be the biggest reason for Lockheed Martin's enthusiastic attitude. Instead, uh, the US Air Force is pushing ahead with its ambitious next-generation air dominance, uh, or the future fighter program. This sixth-generator fighter aircraft is expected to replace the services Lockheed Martin's F-22 Raptor fleet, starting in the 2030s. A full-scale demonstrator already flew for the first time in 2020. Meanwhile, UK-led Tempest, which is being developed under the Future Combat Air System Program, or FCAS, and the Japanese FX program have similar timelines being slated to enter operational service from the mid-2030s. That enables the UK and Japan to pursue joint technologies for their fighters, and Japan and the UK have already decided to collaborate on engine parts and sensor technology for both the Tempest and Future X Future Combat Aircraft programs. Yeah, I kind of find it kind of funny that we're um, we would help Japan to develop a uh, you know a sixth generation fighter jet, but I don't know. well, it's all one happy it? one happy world, aren't we now? Ish. Those those are the rumours. Mm. <laughs> no. If if you spread the costs uh, between the two nations, then it sort of makes a bit more sense, really. A bit cheaper. Yeah, the grey paint works out a bit cheaper that in that uh, sense as well. <laughs> true true <laughs> so the next story uh, in the military segment this week comes to us from armando the second military story thanks carlos for the first one comes to us from defensenews.com i don't want to talk too much about it but it's maybe related to top gun maverick 
I don't know. Not everybody's seen it yet, so we're not. I don't know that we're ready to talk about it. But this uh, from Defense News: the Air Force's secretive and highly classified next-generation air dominance fighter has started its crucial engineering and manufacturing development phase, according to Secretary Frank Kendall. Um, they said in a discussion at, at the Heritage Foundation that the Air Force began early experimental prototyping on this uh, NGAD, I think they're calling it NGAD, the Next Generation Air Dominance Fighter, in 2015 when he was the Pentagon's top acquisitions official. This was essentially an X-Plane program, not the video game, but, sorry, not the simulator, but the actual X-Plane designation. Uh, he said that they did that in order to reduce risk and develop key technologies needed for the production program. As the technology continued to progress, he said that the NGAD effort is now envisioned as a family of systems incorporating several elements, including a handful of autonomous drone aircraft accompanying the manned aircraft in formation. Now, it typically takes the Air Force's acquisitions programs almost seven years to reach initial operating capability from the beginning to this uh, phase. Although the service has already been working on this airplane for all about that long, about seven years, because it just recently started work on this new uh, next phase, the EMD phase, it will still be more uh, a few more years before the program will reach its initial operating capability. Now, the Secretary of the Air Force said uh, the clock didn't really start in 2015. It's starting roughly now, and he thinks that we'll have capability by the end of the decade. Now, the NGAD could also be the most expensive aircraft program in history. Uh, Secretary Kendall told lawmakers in April that each piloted aircraft under the program would likely cost several hundred million dollars each. Now, the Air Force asked Congress for almost $1.7 billion for the NGAD in its fiscal year 2023 budget, including $133 million in research development, testing, and evaluation funding. Now, Secretary Kendall also indicated in his remarks this week that he wants the Air Force's acquisition programs to move more quickly to production. Uh, too often, he said that it takes too many years to get to that stage, and he's instructed the Air Force to set up programs in a way to get uh, meaningful capabilities to airmen as soon as possible. Now, in a related story, this article published on May 20th, 2022 by the Air Force magazine, revealed for the first time that the first B-21 Raider bomber uh, will not take to the air until 2023. Now, citing an unnamed U.S. Air Force spokeswoman, the report said that the U.S. Air Force is now projecting the first flight of its new stealth bomber six months later than initially expected. In 2021, Randall Walden, the director of the Air Force Rapid Capabilities Office, said that a first flight in mid-22 was, quote, a good bet. Back then, a second B-21 Raider was under construction at Northrop Grumman's facility out in uh, Plant 42 in Palmdale, California. As of February 2022, at least six of the example, six examples of the B-21 were under construction at Plant 42. Now, Mr. Walden also said, said in a statement, the B-21 test aircraft is the most production representative aircraft, both structurally and in its mission systems, and at this point in a program that he's observed in his career. With the first aircraft in the ground test phase and successful loads calibrations under its belt, Northrop Grumman is paving the way for the B-21 rollout 
later this year and the first flight in 2023. So let's keep an eye on both of these aircraft, uh, one of which may have been featured in Top Gun Maverick or something like it. Yeah. It's an absolutely well, fascinating uh, pic. I'm just going to pop the picture up, actually, uh, of of the aircraft that uh, Armando was talking about there. I mean, again, it's another sort of very space agey looking um, looking picture, isn't it? I, just, I, I don't know. They just look so f- so fancy. <laughs> so someone's chopped the tail fins off. Right. Okay. Trust trust you to find. <laughs> No, it does so. I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure they know what they're doing. I'm sure they. Where, where's the rudder control? Even Andy, you must agree with me here. Where's the rudder control? All done through uh, computers. <laughs> yeah, good old good old computers, so, eh? <laughs> flapper on. They've got a name, haven't they? Avons, flapper on oh, bits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that wouldn't fly without the computers, which is why technology is amazing. <laughs> as it is yeah mind you there are many who say that about the airbus but <laughs> now wait <laughs> anyway um, it was a cheap shot on. sorry it was swiftly a cheap on, shot swiftly yeah. on uh, well, this, this next next story comes uh, to us for you andy and uh we're, we're moving to india for this one yeah so this comes from businessworld.in uh, india cuts back world's largest fighter jet procure- procurement program by half and my computer screen just dropped to the bottom. Hang on, there we go. The Indian Air Force, IAF, is cutting down its largest fighter jet procurement program by half and has indicated the likelihood of a change in the procurement model to one which is more acceptable to foreign suppliers for compliance to make in, in for compliance to made in India requirements in view of the reduced numbers. That doesn't make much sense, but we'll carry on. It's the military. It never makes sense. (laughs) BW Business World has learned from highly placed sources that the estimated uh, 20 billion US dollar multi-role fighter aircraft procurement program for 114 foreign jets has been shrunk to the acquisition of just 57 jets through a global competition. The original proposal to make these jets in India under the ambitious strategic partnership model is set to be dumped and shrunken, and the shrunken program is likely to be rebooted under the by global made in India category of the Defence Acquisition Procedure 2020. Sources elaborated. All the 57 fighters will be made in India with transfer of technology from the foreign manufacturer to an Indian company. The cutback is mainly on account of the government's uh, policy directive to minimise defence imports and build up a domestic defence industry industrial complex instead to meet military requirements. A renewed drive is afoot to commit most uh, of the capital budget for defence modernisation to domestic sources. Even the Indian Navy requirement for imported deck-borne fighters which reduced from 57 to 26. The cutback on the uh, MRFA and the Navy fighters is both an opportunity and challenge for domestic industries to make up the numbers. The timeline for issuance of a global tender for acquisition of 57 jets is the end of 2022. The Indian Air Force has approached the global market with a request for information for 114 fighters uh, in 2018. Responses were received by air headquarters on behalf of Lockheed Martin's F-21, Boeing's uh, F-15EX, F-18 Super Hornet, Dassault's Raphael, Saab's Griffin, and the European uh, Consortium's Eurofighter, Sukhoi's S-35 and MiG's uh, MiG-35. Indian r- India's record of procurement of a foreign fighter through global competition is taught 
tortuous. The MRFA's predecessor, the medium multi-role combat aircraft program for 126 fighters, was aborted after a decade-long procurement process, ended up with uh, Dassault's Raphael as the winner, but failed to secure a contractual agreement. In 2016, India went in for a direct purchase of 36 uh, Raphael fighters as an emergency procurement in a government-to-government deal with France. The IAF's anxiety to ensure minimum force levels is also on account of the impending retirement of its legacy jets comprising the Mirage 2000, MiG-29 and the Jaguar fleets over the next decade. The residual squadrons of the MiG-21 will also be out by 2024. That was a mouthful. That was a mouthful. You done well, though. Yeah. Um, it just seems strange to me that they desperately want to build all these in India and want other countries to give up all of their technology secrets. They can do that. That seems like something doomed to fill. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a lot of interest in it. <laughs> That's just, yeah. Perhaps I'm being unnecessarily cynical. Uh, I'm, I'm famous for being that. <laughs> I don't know what, considering how, how like... Like the, the global economy is quite you know, is a bit sort of shot to yes Sierra Hotel India Tango moving on like yes um, <laughs> it's surprising how much that all this is going to you know build make design new this build new this you know make design and produce this you know there, there must be some big pool of money somewhere that, that someone hasn't told us about within the aviation industry ah oh, that magic money tree yeah ah. <laughs> how does one so, get a pass for that again sorry <laughs> oh yeah you have to apply us two quid a week matt oh i see right. yeah you need six numbers oh i see i um, see preferably ones that match up with the well yes ones. that would help yes <laughs> absolutely anyway this uh, this next story is uh, coming to us from armando again it's all about this is amazing this is all about a kc-130 in a farmer's field oh dear this next military story comes to us from the aviationist.com. The pilot who landed a KC-130J in a farmer's field after a mid-air collision with an F-35 has received the Distinguished Flying Cross. Now, this KC-130J pilot was awarded this decoration, uh, which is the highest award in flying and the fourth highest award for bravery, awarded for heroism or extraordinary achievement while participating in aerial flight. Now, on September 29, 2020, and we actually talked about this on the show, a U.S. Marine Corps F-35B and a KC-130J Super Hercules tanker collided during air-to-air refueling operations. The F-35 pilot successfully ejected from the Lightning II. There is a video of the jet crashing near Coachella Valley in California. While the KC-130J pilot managed to perform a safe crash landing on a field near the Thermal Airport in California, the latter belonging to Marine Aerial Refueler Transport Squadron 352, the Raiders, was flying as Raider 50 at the time, and it was involved in a refueling mission with the F-35 callsign Volt 93. Uh, that aircraft was from Marine Fighter Attack Squadron 121, the Green Knights. Uh, they were tricking, taking part in weapons and tactics instructor training course 1-21. That's a seven-week training event that aims at improving operational integration of Marine Corps aviation in support of a ground task force. Now, the KC-130J pilot was able to carry out a successful crash landing despite extensive damage to the engines on the right wing and the refueling pod, saving the life of all the crew members who assisted him during the emergency. 
And as we know, this does become a crew emergency at that point where everybody pitches in and has a crucial role. For his life-saving actions, that pilot, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania native Captain Michael Wolf, received the Distinguished Flying Cross from Major General Bradford Gehring, the 3rd Marine Air Wing Commanding General. Uh, that is all according to a U.S. Marine Corps official statement. Now, there was some pretty intense audio of this incident posted on liveatc.com. Um, well done to this pilot. I've been uh, part of military aviation for so long that we always practiced emergencies and we practiced uh, so many individual em emergencies, but compounding emergencies like happened with this KC-130J took uh, the entire crew to come together and get that airplane safely on the ground and as Matt probably showed in the pictures there uh, by all accounts it was a pretty good landing in a farmer's field so well deserved and you can rest assured that the rest of, of the crew probably received some additional recognition also uh, in addition to just the pilot so well done to these Marine Corps air crew Incredible stuff, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. Uh, it, and it goes to show the training, doesn't it? The, their ability to, to uh, a huge aircraft like that, um, to sort of put down, um, in a field. I mean, it is, I mean, well, I, I guess this in, in your world as well, though, Andy, to be fair. I mean, I guess this is something that could be equally possible if necessary. Yeah, there was that, uh, airline from Russia or was it Ukraine? Uh, Last year, the year before, put it down in a field, an A320. Um, oh, but yeah. the skill involved is just phenomenal. They did a brilliant job, and it just shows how much that thing is built like a tank as well. Well, yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's a robust. dependable... Yes, robust. <laughs> that's the word. It's a very dependable airframe. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I'm glad everybody got out of this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's great news. It's one it? of those. It's one of those things, and Andy'll know. It's one of those first things that you're taught when you when you learn when you start your PPL. You're flying, is you know, when you take off from your airfield that you're flying from, is if the engine fails just after you take off, where are you going to put it down? So yeah. you're always looking. You're always looking, scanning round as to where what where's the best field that's that's you know not got you know, power lines going across it, or where's a ploughed field, or where's not a ploughed field, or where's the ditches and stuff. And you have to have, make that decision. You, you've got to make that, that decision in, well, in, in seconds, really, when you it, when that it, situation. It, it's a very quick decision you've got to make in a light, single-engine aircraft. And the yeah. fortunate thing in those is you don't need much room to put it down in. Whereas these guys have been lucky to have a nice bit, well... Luck is the wrong word. The right place, right mean, time. Yeah, to have a, a nice expanse to put it down in. And of course, uh, one of the things I'm, I'm frantically just just continue talking amongst yourselves for a second because uh, this is why I love this show. Mr. Warner is watching uh, wireless, and this very aircraft that we're just looking at picture of, pictures of that have been put down. Don't tell me he's already he, snapped. Uh, it. Well, no, he's he's literally. I'm just trying to. Uh, I'm just trying he's to see if it's it already. Has yeah, no, well, no. This is. Uh, hang on. What's what's the timestamp? Hang on. I'm struggling here. Sorry. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, can, you, can you remember? Can, remember, can you remember your very first kind of um, PPL training when you started, Andy. Me, yes, uh, oh, a long time ago, back in New Zealand. Sorry. 
There you go. That, look at that. that. 150. So this is the very aircraft that we... Hang on. This, is, this is the amazing thing with Mr. Waddle. This is the very aircraft that we're talking about in that story <laughs> that's just been ditched in a field. And he, his exact words, it was a dodgy iPhone shot, but I saw this exact C-130 a few weeks before the incident. <laughs> How amazing is that? That is phenomenal. Yeah, love that. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry. was it a 150 you started in or low wing? Uh, low wing, it was a Robin. Oh, Robin. And then they started to give us all carbon monoxide poisoning. So uh, just before, I had one hour in a 172 before I had to sit my PPL exam in it. Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. So I passed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt you did either. <laughs> Look at the lofty heights you're at now, Andy. Well, yeah. yeah. I'm here. Exactly. Indeed. <laughs> so uh, the next story in uh, the list here, this is uh, from the aviationist.com. And uh, liked Top Gun Maverick, get ready for Devotion, a new film showcasing Korean air war heroism. So Devotion uh, tells a true story of a remarkable fighter pilot rescue from the Forgotten War. The story behind the best-selling book by Adam Makos, Devotion, is uh, nearly as remarkable as the story Makos tells in the book itself and now is on the heels of the successful release of Top Gun Maverick. Sony Pictures is hyping the upcoming release of a major studio production adapted from Mark Makos' book, Devotion. But Mako's story has a big hill to climb compared to the built-in appeal of the sequel momentum in Top Gun Maverick. The question is, will Devotion pack theatres the way Maverick did? The answer may be interesting. I can see Jonathan Warner's already getting excited now. (laughs) Devotion is based on a fact story of the dramatic rescue attempt of Ensign Jesse Leroy Brown, a U.S. Navy F-4U Corsair pilot from the F, uh, from there, from the yet then VF-32, flying from the aircraft carrier USS Light. I think think it's late. Is it late? That's pronounced. USS Late. So if I've pronounced that incorrectly, our US listeners, I do apologise. Or registration uh, CB32 uh, uh, during the uh, Korean conflict back in 1950. After 20 successful combat missions over Korea, Ensign Brown was shot down on the December the 4th, 1950. Although Brown didn't survive the ordeal, his wingman, U.S. Navy Captain Thomas Jerome Houdner Jr., crash-landed his own F-4U Corsair in an attempt to rescue Ensign Brown. Uh, Captain Houdner was eventually awarded the Medal of Honor, the U.S. military's highest award for valor for his attempt to rescue Ensign Brown. Makos authored the 2017 book Devotion, an epic story of heroism, friendship and sacrifice. The book then went on to become a significant hit, climbing to a popular literary bestseller list and earning a remarkable 1,613 five-star ratings on Amazon. His 2012 book, A Higher Call, showcased a remarkable story of World War II German fighter pilot Franz Steigler, who intercepted a heavily damaged U.S. Air Force B-17 bomber over Europe and escorted the wounded crew back to safety. The book's artwork, their stories inspired, and now the upcoming release of the film Devotion have propelled Makos into mainstream media. Also a reminder as well that the Air Force Museum is premiering 
the D-Day Squadron documentary Into Flight One More on Saturday, the 4th of June, 2022, at the National Museum of the US Air Force. Uh, now we, obviously, we ran the tra- trailer for that last week, didn't we? But um, we did, yeah. uh, should we have a look at the trailer? Should we see what it's like? Yeah, let's have a look. Yeah, okay, here we go. never land in that plane. good to know the men you're flying with see what they're fighting for what are you fighting for hoping to find that out try to keep up this is war and we're up can't tell you how many times people have told me to give up and quit die even why you can't always do what you're told if i did i wouldn't be here Some great camera work in there i must admit i hope i hope it well, gets the same sort of attention it really does deserve it i know what i'll be doing in october <laughs> quite absolutely it looks amazing it's love good. it yeah absolutely i do love i do love a historical one as well i must admit i find that more um you know I, for me uh, that's more appealing than than anything else really i i mean i love things like dunkirk and that as well they're all great oh yeah all, all great awesome films film. they are. Yeah. there we are anyway that's everything yeah, that's uh, the military news segment uh, done for this week. Just going to quickly run through the social medias, just for in case uh, you don't know uh, where we are. Well, you obviously know where we are because you're <laughs> watching us on YouTube. But just in case, we are on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Search our social media platforms for Plain Talking UK. Don't forget the WhatsApp number, plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. If you want to send us any feedback, you can send it to us via our WhatsApp number. Or you can send us an email to... To the team that's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com if you want to send us an email also check out the website all the w's.plaintalkinguk.com is our website on there you'll find links to our shop where you can treat yourselves to a very 
it's not a very special and snazzy shirt, a T-shirt, or a mug on there as well, a tea or coffee mug or whatever you wish to put in that mug. And we have some very special news coming up on a certain mug next week's show. So keep tuned for that one. I'm going to talk about Nev like that. <laughs> it's, it's, Nev's very excited about announcing it. So if, you, if, you're wa- if you're watching the, if, if you're watching the uh, YouTube feed right now, you're going to get a one-second flash of what might, might or may not be up our sleeve. Yeah, just a quick flash. There Max. you go. That's quick it. One. Yeah. Quick one. <laughs> there it was, gone. Go on. <laughs> Flashing. You two talking about blindfold. So, yeah. I'm not going to come on this show again. Also, why not subscribe <laughs> to our YouTube channel to get notifications when we go live on the show uh, so you can help shape the conversation in the chat room with our family members in there. And because the chat room is what makes the show on YouTube a awesome enjoyment for all of us hosts on there. And don't forget also on the website, you'll find links to Amazon. If you want to do your shopping via Amazon, the links are on there to do your shopping. doesn't cost you a penny but it does help us in a little way with referral. And also the links are on there to become a PayPal and Patreon donator to the show. If you have a foo spare, shekels laying behind the sofa, he says, as a motorbike goes past. <laughs> God, how loud was that, honestly? And uh, yes, all the social media is on stuff on there. And uh, Andy, our guest, i uh, going to say thanks to you. If, 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 if our audience would love to find out where you are, is there anywhere that uh, they can go to find out more about you, Andy? Generally in the pub, but um, okay. <laughs> I mean, you can follow me on Twitter. Do you know what? I don't actually know what my Twitter handle is. Oh, that's bad, isn't it? That is, yeah. It uh, shows how terrible I am with social, <laughs> social media. media. Uh, if you want to get hold of, mine. I think what we'll do is we'll say, if you want to get hold of Andy, uh, pop us an email podcast at playtalkinguk.com yeah. and we'll, we'll find him for you. That's probably the best way to that do that. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. We'll act as, we'll act as your go between for you. Know. You're not going to charge me for that. No, are you? no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's your fee for coming on the show. There we are. That's oh, okay. that sort Fair of tweet. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Now, Brilliant. next week, I won't be here Outrageous. on the show because I will be in some valley in Devon where there is absolutely zero phone reception on both networks, considering I have two SIM cards. I, I think your wife has done this on purpose. I'm not going to lie. And uh, the <laughs> Wi-Fi, I'm going to just take a wild stab at the dark here and guess that the Wi-Fi where we're staying is going to be like 0.1 of a meg down and probably an eighth of a quid up so <laughs> okay yeah. but very i'm sure good. i'm sure matt nev and armando will keep you very entertained we'll do week. our level best we'll do our level best so we're going to say a big thanks to all the youtube chat room for joining us this evening and thanks to all our audio downloaders of the show quick round robin before we finish and wrap up the show this week we'll start off with our guest andy andy what are you up to next week uh, flying all weekend and then at home all next week, Woo-hoo. which is nice. Ooh. Nice. I've got, a f- I've got a few office days, so I've got to sit at home and I've got a few training videos to edit and a few other jobs to do for work. Uh, uh, I can say when you say when you when you see say office, did you mean chores that's been set by the wife? No, 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 actual work office. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, okay, fair <laughs> enough. It's part, part yeah. of my standard job. Sorry, yeah. my apologies. I thought it was code for something. Yeah, uh, no, no. surprisingly, <laughs> I do work in standards in oh, the airline I work for, which right. is you know oh, very very important. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. What are you up to, Carlos? Anything fun? Uh, I'm in Holiday. Devon. Yeah, lovely. Okay, I'm in so, Devon in Cornwall. So, yes, and yeah. Matt. 
Matt will be here. Yes, absolutely. In, in, in here. Although, ironically, I have to come to the studio in order to do the the, the show. So, uh, yeah, so I'll be in my usual place next week. But uh, anyway, that's it, guys. Right, that's it then, guys and girls. Big thanks to everyone again for joining us. Thanks to Andy for joining us tonight. Yeah, Big cheers, Andy. Cheers. Thank you Woo! very much. Yeah. Have a Woo! safe uh, safe flight tomorrow and enjoy yourself. Cheers, thank you. And uh, from me, Carlos, here at home in the home studio, from Matt in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, and from Andy in his luxurious studios here <laughs> in the UK, take care, everyone, and see you next week. Well, I won't, but see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.